Well, this morning we are going to continue looking at um, prayer, um, how important that is for us as Christians, uh, how we see it in uh, different places throughout Scripture, how, uh, how it shows up in so many different people's lives. Uh, we read one of the prayers already from David as he handed over the reins of the kingdom uh, to his son Solomon and how uh, he tried to, in that prayer, direct uh, Solomon and the people of Israel to remember who uh, the God of Israel is and how he has been faithful. Uh, prayer is such a wonderful gift of God. Uh, we're going to spend more time in it this morning. And we're going to do so by reviewing a very famous uh, prayer and passage in Scripture uh, looking at um, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 5 through 15 there this morning as our, as our focus on uh, prayer this morning. Uh, so before we read, uh, with the Word of God open, would you pause for prayer with me? Father, we, we come with your Word ready to be revealed to us again. Uh, that which imparts life and knowledge and wisdom to us. Uh, in it is contained the plan uh, and purpose of salvation. And so we pray that your spirit that lives within us would take these words and knit them deep within the fabric of our soul uh, so that we are once again trained by them uh, and will then respond faithfully to them. So may that be accomplished this morning through the, the reading and the hearing uh, and the exposition of your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 at verse 5. Jesus said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. May the Spirit give us wisdom this morning as we meditate on these words. Um, prayer is obviously for uh, the Christian a very familiar thing to us. Uh, we do it uh, every day. We are to be a people that, as Scripture says, to be constant in prayer, praying at all times, uh, as we read uh, last week from, from the final um, 
uh, battle cry from Paul in Ephesians there, uh, praying at all times, at all occasions, putting on all that armor with prayer. It is, it is what we do, and sometimes it's, it's that most joyful part of our lives, and yet other times it's uh, what can be the most difficult too. And maybe you've had difficulty in prayer before. Uh, so when you think about prayer, um, often maybe what we ought to be thinking as we, as we um, remind ourselves of the value of prayer is what is the purpose of prayer? Um, what are we to pray for? Or why do we pray? Uh, Psalm 139 uh, says, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. Job 31 says, He does not see my way. Does he, does he not see my ways and number all my steps? There is this idea that He already knows how many days you and I have ordained and He knows where we will end up and go through life. He knows that already. Romans 11:34, this wonderful uh, burst into doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable are His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? He knows everything. Job, uh, as he has that encounter with God at the end of his time of trial, uh, says, I know that you can do, do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You can do all things, you know all things, and whatever you purpose to do is going to happen. People have, have wrestled with the idea of prayer. And maybe you've uh, had some of these questions as well. This comes from um, um, it's called, a book called The Handbook of Bible Prayers. If God is all-powerful, why do we need to pray? If He's going to accomplish it, what difference does it make if He is already the one that has all power? If God is all-loving, why do I need to ask Him for things? If He loves me so much, why does He make me ask Him? If God is all-knowing, why do I need to tell Him my needs? Uh, before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it all together. Why do I have to ask? If God is able to hear everything, why does it seem as sometimes my prayers just bounce off the four walls that I'm in? And it seems as if He doesn't hear me. If He's all-caring, why doesn't He do something? If God is all seen, why didn't He warn me? And maybe you have some of these um, uh, thoughts as you consider prayer as well. Uh, but prayer really, if you, if you get down to the heart of it, prayer is something that is uh, meant to focus our relationship on God. It is, it is a relationship building tool, uh, much like fasting would be as we were saying earlier. Uh, giving up something to concentrate our, our focus and minds and energy and our spirit on the living God. Uh, Bible memorization is that which focuses our attention on the living God, on His living Word, so that what He says becomes a part of us and we grow in our relationship with Him. Uh, it has that focus of 
of a relational aspect to it. And that's why Jesus, um, in Luke, when, when uh, Luke records this, uh, the disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, John's disciples taught him, teach us to pray. Uh, they had this desire to know that, and, and that was a, a common thing. Uh, John taught his disciples. Other, other rabbis would teach their disciples on their idea and their interpretation of prayer. And it wasn't just for the Jewish people or for the Christians. Um, pagan people would pray. If you remember uh, in the showdown of Elijah with the prophets of Baal, um, they prayed to who? I don't know. Um, just shouting out things to somebody that doesn't exist. Uh, and they, they couldn't even rouse their God and, and Elijah kind of mocks them in that. But they would pray as well. It is a, it is a, a ritual part of, of a lot of uh, people of religion obviously including us as Christians, uh, it is a, it a, a practice, but, but it's only in the, in the Christian discipline that it draws us into relationship with, our, with the recipient of our prayers. Um, uh, you, you wouldn't grow in your relationship with Baal. You were his subject and his servant. You were there for his good and his benefit. And there wasn't this relationship aspect of things. But Jesus says, uh, when you pray, pray like this. Pray to our Father. Uh, and while our, the idea of Father is well known to us, uh, particularly because of passages like this, and uh, Matthew's and John's Gospels are loaded with uh, Jesus referring to the Father. We know that uh, very well. And so we have, we have this growing understanding because of, of what Jesus is talking about here of this uh, father-son relationship. And it's especially pronounced in the New Testament, but it was, it was known uh, in the Old Testament as well, just not very much. Um, this, was, this was on an uh, omnipotent God in the Old Testament. Not that he's not now. This is, this is more the way the Old Testament people would know him. He's omnipotent and uh, omniscient and uh, omnipresent, uh, he, he held this position of, of power of God over all things and um, maybe seemed unapproachable even as uh, the, the people of Israelite would be, would be in his presence at Mount Sinai. Um, only certain people could approach this God. He wasn't, this, he wasn't portrayed uh, regularly as this uh, loving father, but it, it's not that he wasn't. Um, this would just be a developing idea uh, as, as Scripture would go along. Um, in Psalm 103, it says, uh, As the Father shows compassion to His children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Uh, there is that uh, resemblance of, of an uh, earthly father and our heavenly father, but in a very pure and perfect way. Isaiah 66, or 63, 16 for you are our Father. Uh, a very direct understanding of the relationship, uh, not as well developed as I said. You are our Father, though Abraham does not know us. And Israel uh, does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Um, we know him in a, in a personal, relational um, way, also one of, of 
uh, in some ways, it, it always sounds like a bad word when you say it, but hierarchy. He is the Father. We are his children. Uh, he's created a world that we understand that principle. Uh, fathers and children, uh, mothers and children, this, this parent and child have a, a very special and um, wonderful relationship. A lot of times on earth here it goes wrong. Um, but not so with our Heavenly Father. And that's the way Jesus is trying to remind his disciples of, of how to engage in prayer and how we begin uh, focusing on the relational aspect of him. Now he says, hallowed be your name. Um, that idea of may your name always be kept holy. Uh, that's, that's something we get to participate in. Um, he, he always keeps his name holy, but we have this uh, wonderful opportunity to be able to lift up the name of our God, uh, to, to magnify it as holy. We are, we are to um, keep him as the only true God. Um, maybe you begin to hear what it said in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take my name in vain. Uh, these, are, these are ways in which we would uh, make the name of God holy. Uh, it is our, it is our uh, responsibility as children of the Heavenly Father to make sure that His name stands out above all else. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, And those who know Your name put their trust in You. For You, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Um, God is holy, holy, holy. And it is our uh, responsibility as His children to make sure that those that see Him through us recognize the holiness of God in us. The way you live your life will give evidence to the holiness of God. The way you... Uh, talk about Him. Uh, the way you pray to Him will, will let Him know how holy you believe Him to be. Uh, he is set apart. Uh, so we don't, we don't pray to somebody else as, as if they are um, worthy of that same holiness and address. We are ones that Christ uh, the Son has said, pray this way. Pray to our Father and may your name continue to be holy above all others. We have uh, a holy God and that's the way we ought to always view Him and talk about Him. It is uh, also, uh, and, and maybe if it would be helpful too, um, there, are, there are three things that speak about um, uh, directly pointed at our God in this in this very familiar prayer. Uh, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Uh, these are three of the relational aspects uh, of our prayer life that we need to keep in uh, center focus. Uh, these are these are given in the imperative, which uh, in normal places in Scripture, these are the commands that we are given. Uh, but we are not commanding God for His name to be holy. 
We are not commanding God that his kingdom would come. Uh, but this is, this is uh, the uh, deep and earnest prayer of our hearts toward God that um, his name would be holy through us, that his kingdom would come. That is our deep and earnest plea. Um, it is, so it is an imperative for us uh, that we would see that happen. Uh, kingdom, the, if, you, if you would go through the, the Gospel of Matthew um, and, and hear it, read it uh, all together, one of the things that you would for sure notice is that kingdom is an important topic in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew was huge on making sure that we understood from Jesus that there is a kingdom aspect to our world, a kingdom aspect to our life in Christ and life with God our Father. Uh, Fifty-five times Matthew talks about the kingdom. Uh, He just drives it home. Uh, Jesus told all kinds of parables to people. The kingdom of heaven is like, and he would say that over and over, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who, and he would just keep giving these examples so that we would understand there's, there is a kingdom that we are supposed to be uh, well aware of and focused on. That's why Matthew uh, uh, puts it in here. It's not as if John didn't hear it or Luke or Mark didn't know about it, but Matthew focused on that. It's, it's, it's part of Matthew's uh, purpose in his Gospel account to pull back from the Old Testament uh, this idea of a kingdom that's being built. Uh, going all the way back again to the opening pages of Scripture and seeing how that kingdom would advance through uh, the times of David and the kings and everything else, realizing that there is an ultimate kingdom that's being talked about here. Um, so where where is the kingdom? I, uh, I know I know of a mountain kingdom. Does anybody know of a mountain kingdom here? Yeah, <laughs> I think you do. Uh, Lesotho is called the Mountain Kingdom. The Mountain Kingdom. Kingdom. I've been there. Um, There is uh, a place uh, also in Europe. It's called the... Mountain Kingdom. Close. It's the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. We have have an understanding of of kingdom here on earth. Uh, But when we're talking about God's kingdom, where is it? It, it's everywhere, and it's 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 within us because it is it isn't a it isn't a kingdom so much of geography as it is about rule and reign. And so, if if you submit to God as King over all and Christ our Savior with the Spirit of God uh, working within us, uh, then He is the kingdom ruler in your life, uh, and His kingdom dwells within you because He rules and reigns within. He is the kingdom is here in our midst um, in this church because we are the gathered people uh, to carry out kingdom work. And so while it is everywhere, it is most prominently uh, a, a place of, of rule and reign, uh, not of geography. Although he, he, he owns it all. So, it, so yes, his kingdom is everywhere. He created everything. And then he sat down and began to rule and reign. Heaven is his throne room and the earth is his footstool, which means he occupies all of it as king. And so uh, the idea of your kingdom come is a, is a prayer that we pray that his rule and reign 
would be advanced here even now. It isn't, it isn't just, oh, oh Lord, uh, I can't wait till I get to your kingdom. It, it already exists. It's already here. And we are already citizens of it. Uh, and that's, that's, ought, that ought to be um, our understanding of it. Uh, the psalmist, Psalm 145, talks about this idea of God's kingdom. Your kingdom, it says, is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. Now, it isn't just a, a kingdom under the rule of this king or that king or queen at this time or that time. He is the ruler of all time in every place. Uh, the Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all uh, faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. That's the that's the uh, essence of his kingdom. Um, Jesus said um, as he's facing his final hours, my kingdom is not of this earth. It isn't it isn't an earthly kingdom. Uh, it isn't as if uh, one day the kingdom will finally be the rule and reign of the earth. He said it's not of the earth. Uh, it, it's far bigger and com- more complex than that. Uh, if, if my kingdom were of this world, he said, my servants would have been fighting that I might not have to be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. It is, it is far more superior than anything we think of in earthly terms. Um, his kingdom. Our Father, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Um, Our response to the Father who is king over all is may your will be done. If, If he is the ruler and the one who reigns over all, then we, as citizens of his kingdom, are his subjects. And as so, we are the ones that would carry out his commands. This is, this is what I think is so wonderful about that. I don't know, uh, many of us don't necessarily like um, being commanded, being directed um, and instructed, especially as we have minds of our own. I know it's uh, often something we wrestle with as children. Um, being, being told what we are to do or not to do because it feels as if we are out of control. Far from it in God's kingdom. I think this is one of the most freeing aspects of, of serving God is that He has the best way for you and I all figured out already. What a wonderful gift it is to know that God will command us in the best way for our good and His glory. And neither one of those will fail as long as we continue to submit to Him. The the difficult part in life for us would be to try to uh, acknowledge God as ruler over all and then have to figure out what we're supposed to do. And then go through this, maybe this uh, trial and error kind of way of life. That's not the way it is with God. He doesn't... He doesn't uh, let you just try to figure it out on your own and then um, punish us every time we did something wrong. He, he gives us the direction that we should go. He, he directs our steps so that they are sure-footed steps. He reminds us of the path we ought to take because it is a perfect path. And He would never guide us down the wrong road. 
So, so to do his will is far from um, this oppressiveness of God. It is the freeing part of uh, our relationship where he will direct us. Jesus, Jesus uh, said, um, and we think of this and we use this at funerals as well and recently did, uh, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Um, Take my yoke upon you. Now that sounds oppressive. I'm going to put you in my yoke. Uh, but, but I want you to picture uh, and it, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Picture, picture a male bull cow, a big one. And then the little bitty calf that's just barely learning to walk. Uh, and a yoke that would actually... Um, tie the two together, uh, and, the, and the young calf uh, out there in the field uh, doing all this work, and at the end, looking back and seeing how everything got tilled up and thought, man, I did that. Um, not realizing that it was Jesus, uh, the, the, the leader there, doing the work, and we learn from him so that when, when we grow up, we know what we're supposed to do, and he's already marked out the the plan for us. He's already given us the model of, of how to live our lives. Uh, he takes the load and does it. Uh, and we learn from Him. Uh, and He does it in such a way, He says, I am gentle and humble in how I will teach you. It also, um, this uh, part of the prayer, your will be done, uh, is also uh, our level of commitment uh, is in that as well. Uh, may I do it kind of half-heartedly, Lord? Uh, whenever I want to, however I think about it, when I decide I want to do it, that's the way I'm going to do your will. But it doesn't say that. May your will be done here on earth, uh, in your life and in my life, even as it is in heaven. Um, uh, do you ever picture... Uh, has it, has it ever come to your mind where in the throne room of God where, where His angels and uh, all the heavenly beings are there in the throne room of God, somebody is just kind of sitting down in the corner looking at their phone or, or taking a nap or uh, just kind of unengaged with everything? Have you, ever, have you ever pictured one of God's angelic creatures in that place where they don't seem to be really engaged with this holy, holy, holy aspect of worship? Day and night they stand before His throne and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is their wonderful joy to do that all the time. Now, I'm sure when I said that, that was a put-off for some of you. Oh, to think that I would have to stand at His throne room and say that all the time. Um, I don't think you would ever find an angelic being that ever grew weary of that. And so, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is our aspect of, I want my service to you to be that pure and that constant uh, and that focused. The focus on God. Father, the King with the Kingdom, and we as His willing servants. Uh, and then He moves into... Um, 
the our side of it. Uh, and it. And it goes like this. Give us, forgive us, and deliver us. And with that is, don't lead us into temptation. Give us, forgive us, and deliver us. Give us each day our provisions. This was a level of trust that God was trying to instill in people from the very beginning of time and did it again with the people of Israel as they were led out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And he said, six days you will labor and do all your work, and the seventh day don't do any work. Don't gather food then. Don't be about um, making sure that you are provided for because I will make sure that gets done. Uh, that, was, that was a wonderful opportunity for the people of God to learn to trust in God. Every other day I'm supposed to go out and get what I need for my daily bread, but the seventh day is a different day. It's going to show us that God will provide for us. We are not the ones that control everything. He does. When they, when they would continue in their relationship with Him, He would give them uh, different ways where they could learn how to trust in Him. They've already seen all kinds of miraculous signs and uh, all the wonderful powers that God has displayed before Him so that they would trust in Him. It was also a time of great failure for the people of Israel where they didn't follow through with that. Give us our daily bread is that uh, absolute trust. It is that childlike trust who uh, relies on uh, their parents for providing everything. We come into this world absolutely dependent uh, that's, that's the idea of our relationship with God and our, and our pleading with Him. Uh, give us today, give us each day what we need. It is a dependence one. It's, it's, it's a trust that He can do that. He, he's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's, his inventory never runs dry. And so He will always be able to provide for us. It is this level of trust that we are supposed to enter into uh, and, and receive from Him whatever He would give us. And, and realizing that this focus on our daily need comes after our focus on the kingdom. Jesus would say later, um, seek first His kingdom and don't worry about the daily bread stuff, I will take care of you. That's, that's the model He's been giving throughout all time. I will take care of that. Your focus is to be on the kingdom, not on the daily existence stuff. Now, we, we go through our lives and we do daily work as the people of Israel did, as the, as the disciples did as well. But, but our focus is not on the daily, the temporal uh, the things that fade away, but it's on the kingdom work. So every aspect of what you do has a kingdom flair to it. And we would continue to trust Him for what we need each day as we put our focus on the kingdom. So give us today and each day our daily bread. And forgive us. Forgive us. Um, is anybody here in need of forgiveness? Yes. Um and we are to be a people that recognizes our need for forgiveness. Uh, it is, it is uh, 
at the very heart of why Jesus came to offer you and I forgiveness to bring us back into right relationship with our Father. Uh, to, to make us uh, more invested in His kingdom. Because uh, I fail regularly. As much as I try, even as Paul would say, the, this, I have this war waging within me, in my flesh, I keep doing the things that my flesh wants to do, and in my spirit I have this deep desire to do the very things of God, and there is this war waging within me. And sometimes my flesh wins and I need to ask for forgiveness. And then with that is this aspect of you really need to understand forgiveness too. And Jesus would talk about um, forgiveness and giving this this example of a man who had uh, a huge debt and that was was the understanding. they They would refer to their sins as debts. It's something that needed to be paid for. Which is why Christ was the, that big word, the propitiation for our sins. He was the one that would pay the price for, for our debts. And so there's this story of the man who owed just an insurmountable amount of money and couldn't pay it. And his, uh, the one to whom he owed the debt said, I'll forgive that. I'll let that go. I will, I will cancel your debt. And so that servant went out and found a servant of his own who owed them a very manageable amount of money and beat him to try to get the money out of him, put him in jail for it. And then the story turns again where the, the God figure in the story looks back and says, what, what happened to that forgiveness? that I gave you. Did you not understand that? And he was locked up and put away until he could pay the price. And could he? No. Forgiveness for us is huge and for us to be able to forgive others is just as huge because that would describe and that would show our understanding of what forgiveness we have received. This is why it says, If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you don't, your Father won't forgive you. Forgiveness is at the heart of of what God is doing through Christ in us. And if we don't get that, uh, we don't have that relationship. We don't have what He's talking about. Uh, The psalmist says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Uh, Our our, uh, sinfulness even... Uh, is what will hinder our prayers. That's why we need to be forgiven so that uh, there's nothing that stands in our way. And then deliver us. And each one of these um, are, are a sermon in and of themselves. And we've heard them before. This is just a, another way to remind us of uh, this model of prayer that Jesus gave for His disciples. Uh, and it ends here uh, with... Uh, Deliver us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Jesus, Jesus will say later in Matthew, um, Matthew, Matthew reiterates uh, in his Gospel account everything that Jesus is saying here. Uh, when you continue on in reading the Gospel according to Matthew, 
his account of Jesus' words. Uh, everything that he says here in this prayer given by the Lord is reiterated someplace else in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, and Matthew does a wonderful work with that. Um, Lead us not into temptation. Jesus said, Woe to the world for ten- temptation to sin. Matthew 18, 7, 4. It is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. It's necessary. Um, that doesn't seem like a great part of God's kingdom, except for that it uh, gives us the opportunity to prevail uh, over every obstacle. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, there are already obstacles in the pathway for you to succeed in your Christian walk. Those are the temptations that are there in our world. Uh, and those, Jesus said, those things are necessary. God has always given us ways to uh, be tested in our faith. Uh, and, and it's a testing so that you win, you succeed. Uh, we have an enemy that wants us to fail. And he will use those obstacles in the road to see if you will slip and fall and not succeed. That is his design in those very same obstacles. God may put the obstacle in your road as a test for you to succeed in and he is cheering you on. And the Son and the Spirit are advocates for you in that, in that battle in those obstacles. We are meant to succeed in the very uh, trials of life. But the enemy, our adversary, wants us to fail. And I'm, I'm, I've been preaching from the ESV as long as I've been preaching. I, I love its uh, way of uh, marking out words so that you see repetition. And one thing I didn't like about our reading from today is that it said there in verse 13, but deliver us from evil. Uh, and that's really not the way it reads. Uh, but there would, there would, there's a footnote there. Um, deliver us from the evil one. Right. That's, that's what it says. Uh, deliver us from the evil. And that the evil is that specific uh, referring to a specific one. Uh, this, is, this is a name given of the devil, our adversary. Deliver us from his rule and reign. And that's, that's our, our deep and desperate prayer as well. That's, that's the urgent plea that we have. Not only keep us from uh, failing the test of temptation, but deliver us from the, the grasp of the evil one as well. We learn the prayer growing up. Um, to know the ending. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Do you remember that? Yeah. Were you here at the beginning? Some? I, I think so. When David was handing over the throne and the rule and reign of the people of Israel to his son Solomon. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory 
and the majesty for all that in heaven is yours and on the earth. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It wasn't in the original text. But the, the scribes just thought it should end with something a little bit more majestic. And so later that was added. Uh, it isn't here um, in our text, but it is absolutely uh, in Scripture. Uh, that idea, uh, it is a perfectly suitable and glorious way to end that prayer because it echoes perfectly with Scripture. And so this is, this is the, uh, the model that Jesus has given for prayer. It isn't necessarily a rote prayer. Sometimes we do say it word for word. And it reminds us, it's meant to remind us of these things. But it gives us a, a focus. Um, God as our loving Father with the kingdom as our first priority and His kingdom would come um, and be established in my heart first and foremost and in the lives of those that He's given to me. And in this place as a body of believers, um, may His kingdom come and His rule and reign be here. And may we do His will faithfully as He has already directed us. And that He would provide for us everything that we need because our focus is not on the daily thing but on the kingdom stuff. And when we lose sight of that, when we, when we transgress His law, when we make mistakes, when we grieve one another and we grieve God, we ask Him to forgive us and restore us and may we be that kind of people as well. And help us through every trial and obstacle uh, and to fight, uh, as Paul was saying, to put on that whole armor of God to stand against the evil one uh, because he is there and he is against us. Uh, so while this is a, a wonderful prayer, a, a wonderful model of prayer, uh, it, it really serves as that, that overarching thing that um, we would remember in our regular prayer life. You don't have to pray according to this exact rule every time. Jesus isn't that rigid. But this is the model of prayer. That would shape our prayer lives. Sometimes your prayers are going to be uh, urgent and instant and short because your situation is desperate. And that's a, those are wonderful prayers. But Jesus gives us uh, this model of prayer that we are to uh, focus on, to grow in our relationship uh, with him, and that is, is his desire for our prayer life to grow in our relationship with him. And so, with that, would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, you are holy, holy, holy. You are high and lifted up. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Although we look around at our world and we often miss that. We miss the glory that is yours. Uh, we lose focus sometimes. Sometimes we, we forget that you are so loving as the Father loves his children. And so, Father, we, we just acknowledge that again this morning. And we acknowledge that we are um, willing servants in your kingdom. Um, oh, Father, may that be true of us all today and in the days to come. It is, it is your kingdom uh, and we desire to serve you faithfully. And so, um, forgive us when we fall short of that. 
expectation and that knowledge and that focus. Uh, maybe, Father, there are times when um, others have lost their focus as well and in doing so, they, they say things to us, they do things to us because they're not focused on kingdom life or maybe they're not a part of the kingdom yet. And that changes our whole perspective. And in that time, we pray for those that are against us. And so, Father, as we, as we continue in our, in our journey through life, we do ask that you would uh, give us all that we need. Um, your word reminds us that you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. You will provide our daily bread, whatever form that takes, uh, and even at times when you might um, withhold it for, from us so that we could focus on you more intently and, and know of your grace and your provision and your sustaining power in our lives. But we pray, Father, that our focus will be on kingdom first and daily existence second. We pray, too, that um, every time there is um, an obstacle there that maybe you put in the road. Maybe it is one way that you are uh, testing us, refining us. Uh, and what a wonderful thing that is. Help us to see that too, Father, that your testing and your refining is a gift from you. But may we f- succeed in those, uh, never giving in to the enemy's uh, draw towards just giving up or giving in or or thinking less of your kingdom in that moment. So help us to be uh, those that overcome because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, making sure that uh, we continue to give uh, a solid report of how good and great you are. And so we do pray, Father, that uh, your kingdom would be first and foremost because it is your kingdom Uh, It is about your glory, your honor, your name. And it will last uh, uh, throughout eternity. It has already existed from all time. And so, Father, may uh, we understand uh, your draw into relationship more as we continue in our daily prayer lives with you and our corporate prayer lives as well. So, Father, hear our prayer and thank you for answering. And may your will be done in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.